Welcome to Schneider Electric's The Good, The Bad and The Beautiful Podcast. Every month, you will be joined by me, Carmel, me, Emma, and me, Rob, who will talk about real experiences from real people with some special guests along the way. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Beautiful. In this episode, Rob's going to bear his soul in the Dear Diary section, and we catch up with a woman that introduced me to oat milk in flat whites. Yep, they're delicious, but more importantly, our resident biodiversity guru, Katie Mills. So now don't worry if you don't have a clue about biodiversity. Katie's going to go through everything we need to know and also the things that we can put in place to help the planet by protecting our plants, fungi, insects, anything that's living. Even everybody's enemy, yes, that's right, our arch enemy, the wasp, has an actual purpose in life. So let's kick this off and see how Rob and Emma are doing. Rob, Emma, any big news from your side? So actually, I got out and about in the last couple of days. I did take some annual leave for once and I headed off to the Cotswolds. Um, so I was actually up there for a wedding, took a few days either side um, to do a little bit of sightseeing. But it was just nice to actually get out and start celebrating a little bit of back to normality with being at a wedding, dancing shoes on and just um, let my hair down a little bit. So funnily enough, Emma, I had a wedding recently too. So really nice to see weddings happening again. Lots of people getting together. Good times to be had by all. So I went to a really cool black tie event, but I obviously had to bring things down back to reality a little bit by trying to do the splits in the middle of the dance floor, making a complete fool of myself. But it was just nice to to be out there and live in life a little bit again. The splits? You actually did the splits? Did you do the I'm, full splits, Rob? No, I mean, I attempted. I've got no idea to actually do it. <laughs> I've promised to practice, but it's not going well. So before Katie kills me, I actually was hacking away at my garden, but only the ivy that is calling up my wall and it's actually coming into my house. But I started off at the roots and worked my way up, trying to save as much uh, insects as I can. Thought I'd add that in there. So obviously we can't forget about the Olympics that's been going on. So amazing results for Team GB, 22 gold medals all in all. I absolutely love the exports and I was wowed by Sky Brown. Did either of you see Sky Brown? Sorry, um, the exports. What's an export? Extreme sports. So, you know, you're skating, you're BMXing, things like that. So I love that kind of stuff. So Sky Brown, 13 years old, bronze medalist. I mean, I think it's it's an amazing story. Youngest Nike-sponsored athlete in the world. She has a British father, Japanese mother, lives in Japan and US during the year. I think... An amazing individual, really cool story. And just, you know, if you put your your heart and soul in stuff, the kind of things you can achieve, just absolutely amazing. Similar background to me, actually. Not that I have a medal or anything, but I used to live in Japan, spent about a couple of years there studying. My stepmom is Japanese. Yes. What about you guys? Do you do any sports? So I think the, the question should be, Carmel, is if you were in the Olympics, what would be your event? So... When I was, do we call it high school? Yes, or secondary school, one or the other. I actually used to run the 400 and the 200 meters. I actually did a lot of sport when I was younger. I'm not quite sure what happened when I hit a teenager, but I used to do the 100 meter and be part of the relay. I would do (laughs) high jump and long jump. But I think probably my funniest experience, and obviously I could have gone to the Olympics with it, was 
taking part in the hurdles. And I think I actually only did that to get a day off school, to be part of different <laughs> sports. And I was more like a deer jumping over those things. So I'd say I could be at the Olympics, but definitely not. Love it. And I, I think if I was going to chip in as well, badminton would have been my sport. Is that a sport? Oh, my. Is that a sport? Really? I mean, I'm good at it, but I'm just saying, is it considered a sport? If you're asking that question, then you, you're not good <laughs> at it. So, yeah, I, I played county when I was younger and stuff. And I think my coach was trying to butter me up and said, you know, I had a shot at the Olympics when I was younger. But um, cool. Well, I mean, I was very early age and I found other interests. So clearly it didn't happen. Otherwise, I'd be waving around a gold medal on a podium instead of being here today. Love that. Well, this leads us on nicely to our new section we started on our last podcast. The Dear Diary section is back. And for new listeners, this is a time for one of us to reflect on something from our past couple of weeks in our professional and sort of personal lives. And it's really to talk and touch around um, mental health and well-being. So this time we are going to hear from the lovely Rob. It's my turn to open the pages of my diary today. And uh, I'm going to be cheesy and I'm going to I'm going to start with Dear Diary. So we'll do that. OK, so Dear Diary, I had my first few away days with work since pre-COVID-19. I did not have a clue where to start. Packing up my work bag was challenging enough, but to add an overnight bag into the mix blew my mind. I ended up packing for every situation possible and kept most luggage in my car. I had varied emotions. I was a bit nervous. It was one of my first outings in a new role, and I was so used to working from home, it felt a little bit like stepping back out of my comfort zone, but I was also really excited. We were going to visit a customer and partners, and I was looking to learn a lot and have some really valuable FaceTime. The days were great, the business discussions, the social aspects, sharing ideas and having open discussions where you didn't need to ping people to see if they were free. So I came away from the couple of days feeling enthused. I felt like I'd taken so much on board and I remembered the true value of face-to-face meetings. My final reflection at the end of this was that it was actually time to get a haircut because the longer messy look wasn't really working for me now that I was back out and about and the comparisons to Ed Sheeran were coming far too frequently. Katie's laughing now because she's one of the culprits. No offence, Ed. I'm, I'm happier now. <laughs> Ed Sheeran. Cool. No comment. No comment. Ed is cool. Come on. He's cool. He's Ed. very cool. It's, it's, very nothing, cool. it's you know. nothing against Ed Sheeran. It's just I don't particularly think I look anything like him other than I had messy gingerish hair. And, uh, and maybe yeah. when you get your guitar out, Rob. Yeah, did well, you tell him about your guitar? Well, no, because I'm not, I'm not trying to be more like Ed Sheeran. Oh, okay, fine. As long as you've got that clear. I'm not, I'm not okay. trying to like, enhance the stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you say that about packing, because obviously me going away for this wedding and not having gone anywhere for the last year, year and a half, I literally just didn't know what to pack and I honestly probably packed for like a two-week holiday. I got my big old suitcase out and I had millions of different options and I got myself in a bit of a state not really knowing what what I could take, what I needed. So it was weird. That was stepping out of my comfort zone. So I can feel your pain there, Rob. Like four pairs of shoes for a one night overnight. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous.
Right then, so moving on to our monthly guest. So last month we covered Earth Overshoot Day and we shared a few top tips on how we could help move the date to help climate change. This month we wanted to talk to you specifically about biodiversity, you know, from the air we breathe, the water we drink and the food we eat. Everything we do, you know, relies on biodiversity. So we got in touch with our colleague Katie Mills to talk to us about biodiversity and give us the lowdown about the topic. So... First things first, it'd be great to hear from you, Katie, a little bit about yourself. So if you could give us all a little introduction. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here today um, and to speak all things biodiversity and tell you all off for all the bad things you're doing and tell you all the good stuff that you should be doing. <laughs> so I uh, look after sustainable development and innovation for the UK and Ireland for Schneider and um, have been at the business coming up to two years now time flies when you're having fun and my background is predominantly actually in kind of startups and investment so very different world when I joined Schneider but worked a lot in renewable energies uh, in South America and so I've kind of brought that that knowledge and that hopefully that experience over into my role now and now I'm very much focused on our own internal drive to net zero and everything that that kind of encompasses as well as our sustainability strategy, which is where biodiversity is, you know, a massive, massive part of that moving forward. Thank you. So talking biodiversity, could you give us a quick overview for those who don't know what it is and anyone that knows a little bit but would like to know more what it really means when you say biodiversity and why it's so important? So there are multiple descriptions of biodiversity if you whack it into Google and have a look. But ultimately, what it really means is kind of variety of life on Earth and how all species interact with one another and the kind of environment that they're in. And as human beings, we are hugely reliant on biodiversity for multiple reasons, whether it's for soil fertility, pollination of our crops, raw materials that we need in manufacturing and in kind of general industry and all the way through to kind of water regulation as well. So multiple reasons why biodiversity is really important. And we've really got a kind of renewed focus on it now as a kind of key part of any organisation or any country's sustainability story. So how do you think we can make a difference by focusing on biodiversity? What do you think we need to be doing to help? There's something everyone can do, right? No matter how big or how small you want to do it. So really simple thing. Um, everyone laughs at my catchphrase here, but it's our kind of grow, don't mow. So we all love these like pristine mown grass lawns. But actually, it's one of the worst things you can do for biodiversity within your own home or in your own garden or even in your own business. Right. And um, whether it's kind of on your sites and things like that. I appreciate not everyone wants to let their entire garden go completely wild, which I get. Although, Rob, I think you might say you don't have to cut the grass, right? That might be helpful for you. Absolutely. That might be an excuse for your wife. No, I can't (laughs) cut it. It's biodiversity. But even if everyone picks a patch of garden that they let wild, and that is a a really simple way. It doesn't cost you anything, actually. It saves you money because you don't need to buy a lawnmower. But a really kind of simple way of us all doing something with regards to biodiversity The other thing as well is thinking about what you're planting and where you're planting it. So things like fruit trees, really important for biodiversity because they help help support pollinators such as bees. And obviously bees are, we can touch upon why bees are important, but bees are super important for biodiversity across the planet. And anything you can do to help support a bee in your garden is a really kind of positive step. And then, you know, it's everything like how do you deal with weeds in your garden? 
I'm sure all of us have bought a bottle of Roundup at some point and gone and sprayed it on your weeds. Possibly one of the worst things you can do for biodiversity, right? A lot of pesticides and insecticides in there that's ultimately going to ruin your soil and kill any organisms that are living around it. So sorry, Rob, you're going to have to get out with your spade and shovel and start digging up your weeds because that's this is heartbreaking. Only, that, that's really the only sustainable way of doing it. It is actually going out and putting them up. So three really simple things you can do that you know don't cost loads of money and are and you know anyone can do no matter where you are. So you mentioned work sites as well, and you you know recently have been hearing a lot about people's places of work where they've been trying to do a little bit more around biodiversity. But you know how could us as employees and our listeners as employees spread the word in their companies you know what could their employers also do to help yeah so there's there's loads of things we can do so similar to what i've just said really about your home you can do similar things on your sites so you should really be pushing your facilities management team or whatever that ends up you know your site management team to look at the use of pesticides and insecticides because we, we probably have facilities management teams, you know, in every organisation that go around wanting to keep the site looking really nice and pretty and pristine. And so they spray it with a bit of Roundup to get rid of your weeds. It's not really the best way forward. So I think, you know, making sure that you're on top of how you maintain your land is a really important piece. So getting rid of those kind of insecticides and those pesticides. The second piece, and we're hoping to do it across a lot of our sites, actually, is the idea of not mowing all of our grass and leaving some of it to rewild. There are other things as well. You know, we've got bee hotels that you can look at, insect hotels. They're not super expensive and they're really easy. You can put them in anywhere really on a site to be able to, you know, promote wildlife. I know our site in Telford have got bird boxes and they're tracking how bird boxes are being used so we can help, you know, promote better environments for all types of animals, not just insects and bees, but birds as well. And then the other thing really is keeping track of what you see on your site. So one of the best things that you can do is to set up a team of you that within a certain radius of your site, go out probably every quarter and have a look, you know, count up how many bees you see. Sounds really silly to say, but really simple thing. How many bees do you see? Do you see any hedgehogs? You know, what kind of insects are you seeing? Any new trees that are growing or how many trees have you got? And all things like that um, help us to really get a better view on, on how we're impacting the environment around us and making sure that we're having a positive impact. So there's loads of things that you can do. And there's lots of partners as well out there, right? You know, you can look at the Woodland Trust or the Wildlife Trust if you need advice on how to do things. There are lots of great materials out there, completely free, that give you advice on what plants to plant. A lot of people have planted, any of you guys planted a bee bomb out of interest? No, but I was wanting to ask you about that. Yeah, can you tell us more about that? Because yeah. I wanted to buy some. So we we automatically think a bee bomb is a great thing. And so did I, right? I, I, I was like, we'll buy bee bombs for all of our sites. And hey ho, there goes my job, we're done. But actually, after speaking to experts and ecologists, it's probably some of the worst things we can do right now because what we're doing is we're putting species of wild flowers that are in these bee bombs in areas where they just never would be. So actually, you need to think about the environment and where you are and look at what species and what plants, first of all, are better for the environment that you're in and better 
for even the geographical area that you're in. And then also those that actually support pollinators. So when I say pollinators, predominantly mean bees. But wasps are part of that, but, you know, predominantly bees. Because sometimes we think a plant is really good and a bee's going to love it. And actually it has the kind of opposite effect. So, and the best thing you can do if you want to do something for bees is to go and plant a fruit tree. Plant a fruit tree or a fruit bush in your garden that will have way more impact than a bee bomb. Well, actually, my neighbour's got um, bees at the end of the garden. Here's a little hive of his bees that he actually rescued. They A swarm landed at the school he works at and um, he rescued them, put them in his hive. But actually, he has some wildflowers that got accidentally planted by his daughter in amongst the carrots as well. So he's got a very wild side to his garden, which wasn't supposed to be there. But yeah, it's nice seeing the bees And I've actually planted some plants and bushes and stuff that's good for them. So I have lavender out the front for them as well. And I often go and check on on the bees and how they're getting on. So I'm all for this. That's great. That's fab. That's exactly what you should be doing. And keeping track of your numbers, right? If you notice that I I don't seem to see as many bees um, this year, have a think about what have you changed? What's happened in your garden? what has you know maybe affected them and then make sure that you then go out and support them as much as you can. Rob, Carmel, are you doing anything to help the bees or just in general with biodiversity? Well, I am searching how to make a bug hotel with my son because he loves insects. He's all about the insects at the moment, spiders, etc. He follows them around. So I'm looking into that and having a space in my garden for that. So that should be quite cool. I think it's just to really encourage other insects to come around and, you know, and help with the flowers and the plants. Best thing you can do for a bug hotel is just get some logs, pile them all up, drill Thanks, some Katie. holes in them, just drill some little holes in and that's it. Leave it. And just leave it it in a quiet corner in your garden so that it's not going to get trampled on or people are going to be around. Pile up some logs, drill some holes in and off you go. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. A breakfast buffet and a gym are also quite nice features. I'll just (laughs) put that in there. (laughs) So I'm I'm mowing less. So I'll I'll ignore your joke earlier, Katie. I am genuinely mowing less. So people who listen to the last podcast will know that I I like a potter in my garden. But yeah, so I'm mowing less. And I think there was like a a month this year. I can't remember which one it was. But they said, if you know, don't mow during that month and help the wildlife in your garden become more established. So try to do things like that. I also cut back like my bushes and things quite aggressively in the winter. And then I've let them grow out this year so you know all the flower heads and things that have bloomed I'm not really cutting those back so I'm seeing lots more bees in my garden this year which is something that I've noticed compared to last year because there's a lot more life and activity going on and then I also have a veg patch as well and I'm trying to use kind of natural ways of controlling pests so like eggshells and stuff to prevent things like slugs and I heard uh, a friend of mine they got ladybirds actually like posted in that they could then put in their veg patch to help prevent other kind of pests and things i haven't got that far yet but i'm not using chemicals so i think that's a good start other than the odd bit of roundup for some weeds but i'll i'll try and stuff but yeah those are the kind of things i'm doing that's great and rob your point around pest control is maybe where we bring in our foe the wasp because that's actually what wasps are really good for wasps are natural pest controls and actually there's quite a lot of research being done around using wasps as sustainable forms of pest control for like developing countries for example so that they don't have to rely on insecticides and pesticides so heavily which is a good thing for everyone ultimately so yeah that's uh, if you encourage the wasps rob you'll get 
less what they call arthropods, which are the things that are those that are, you know, the tiny insects that eat a lot of crops. And um, wasps are natural predators of those. So they will take them out for you. So one for you there. I think I'm prepared to meet you in the middle. I think I'm going to leave wasps alone that come into my vicinity, but I'm not going to encourage wasps by any means <laughs> because I, I'm a little bit scared of wasps. I, I tend to run a mile when there's a wasp around, but I'll do my best. Another thing, Rob, when you mow your grass, make sure that after you mow it you take away the grass on the top because you know how some people mow the grass and they just leave the dead grass on the top what that it stops then um basically light coming through for any real wildflowers or grass to then continue to grow through so you mentioned that anyone can can do anything i mean what about for those people that don't really have a garden or maybe they have a small space of a garden you know they just what can they do so I, I think it's about getting out into nature and helping the nature that you're that's around you. If you don't have the opportunity to build anything within your kind of um, and within your own space, and if you go on to things like the Woodland Trust website, you can see all of the volunteering projects that they have to protect woodland. And there's you know they have I think something like fourteen hundred woodlands across ancient woodlands across the UK. And sometimes when we think about trees, we we think about planting them, but actually there's a lot of work that goes into maintaining our woodlands and our ancient woodlands and looking after them, basically. So get out and go and volunteer, right? Cost nothing. Yeah. And there's probably something within your local area that you can go and do that with as well. The other thing is allotments. Now, if anyone has an allotment, I actually recently have applied for an allotment in my area because I really, I want my garden to be a bit more wild and then I want to grow my own fruit and veg in an allotment. But if you don't have the space, Pretty much every council across the UK has allotment programs and they're not super expensive, although they've become super popular since lockdown because everyone wants an allotment. So there's some wait lists now, but that's a great way of, you know, adding to biodiversity within your local area if you don't have space on your own property or in your own environment. So those are kind of two really, really simple things you can do. And then, you know, anything, even like window boxes big thing you know think about what you can is there anything you can put in a window box on the windowsill lavender a great thing to put in a window box that will support bees and any plants in pots so can you get a fruit tree in a pot and if you've got a little patio area you can put a fruit tree in a pot on a patio and there's always small things that everyone can do and just got to get a little bit creative at times with it okay cool thank you so what about then those individuals that don't see it as a priority there's people that sort of think oh it's not my problem doesn't affect me and doesn't put that as you know a major priority in their life but it's obviously it's our planet it's our home so we need to keep that as best we can and look after it you know how do we go about influencing these types of individuals and getting them to think about this as a priority so it's always a difficult one right but Ultimately, I always bring it back to pollination, which is a key part of biodiversity. And about a third of all the food we consume every day relies on pollination, right? A third. That's a huge amount of food that if we didn't have a strong biodiverse environment for pollinators, for example, like bees, we'd really struggle with food. So my, my question to them would always be, do you like the food you eat every day? Do you want three meals a day on your plate? Well, if so, we really need to protect the environment in which we live and we need to make sure that we're doing our, thing, our, our part for biodiversity. Because otherwise, I always think about, you guys ever watch that film Interstellar? Yeah. Yes. You know, at the beginning, it's that big dust bowl. They can only grow one crop. 
that is a result of a lack of biodiversity. And if we don't act now, and you know that we have recently had the IPCC report that came out last week, which was pretty, you know, harsh reminder of the state in which our environment's in. If we don't act now, that's the kind of devastation we're going to be looking at for our children and for our grandchildren. And for me, that's more than enough to make me do what I need to do. So I always go back to people and say, well, if you want to carry on eating the way you eat, we probably need to protect our environment and look after all of our pollinators and our biodiversity because it's a key part of it. And then there's also a business piece. We rely on industries, we rely on raw materials and biodiversity, a strong biodiverse environment is what feeds our raw materials ultimately. So if we struggle to get the quantity and quality of raw materials into industries and into economies, then ultimately it starts to affect business because prices will go up, people's, you know, companies' bottom lines get affected and then people's jobs are affected. So it's not just about your food and what you eat and your environment around you, but it's also around your work and your business and everything. So it affects us in in, in every single way possible, basically. Thank you. Like, I, I love to eat. So, you know, I'm obviously going to, you know, keep on with my biodiversity piece because the thought of not being able to eat is devastating. <laughs> I'd be hangry exactly. all the time and no one wants that. Or just that. eating one, one food all the time because we can't grow anything else. How boring would that be if everyone could only eat corn, for example? Yeah, that would be no. pretty boring, right? So it's about that diversity of crops and, and, and variety of crops as well. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. That's certainly some food for thought. Did you like what I did there? So... Going on to the final section of today, okay? So we all know what time it is. It is actually the GBB quiz time. So everyone, can you get your pen and papers ready? It's Emma versus Rob. Katie, I'm going to ask you to help out with one of the answers in a minute. Emma, Rob, are you ready? Ready. Yeah. Let's okay. So. No cheating, Rob. The... Yeah, Can't Rob, promise. no Google this time, honestly. <laughs> So we're going to, as we were talking about biodiversity today, I thought this was quite appropriate. So we're all part of an ecosystem, right? Whether that's land, people, anything living, we're all, all part of an ecosystem. Now, within biodiversity, food chains are, are pretty important. It's important to know about them. So for example, let's talk about, you know, a really simple one, which is we need grass because cows eat grass and we eat cows. Okay. So that's just a, a really simple food chain. Okay. What's missing in this food chain? Can you tell me? So I'm starting off with grass, blank, then it goes frog, and then it goes hawk. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so something eats grass, and, then frogs and the eat frog that. eats that something, and then the hawk eats the frog. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. Okay. I feel okay, like... I'll, give you, I'll give you a hint. Okay, the name, <laughs> it's got grass in the name. Grasshopper. Yes, Emma, there you go. Just I didn't know it was quickest wins. And 1.2, Emma. <laughs> so, Rob, as if you didn't get it from that. I didn't know it was quickest wins. I didn't even have to clue. I'm, oh, my gosh. I'm fine. I'm just, you know, changing up all the time. So, Clearly yes, I couldn't type into Google right. quick enough this time. So for that simple food chain, it basically goes grass, grasshopper eats grass, frog eats the grasshopper, and the hawk eats the frog. So that's that That's that food chain. Okay, for bonus points, I'll give you another shot, Rob. Can you give me a food chain? 
three, minimum three of your own. Worm. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold the phone. Let me... What eats a worm? Well, uh, worm, bird, cat. Yeah, okay, I mean, yeah, Katie, true, should we, should we take that? Katie, should we take yeah, that? Yeah, I, I suppose... I wouldn't say... Yeah, I wouldn't say cat primarily feeds on birds, but... Mine does. Let's be honest, Rob, cats kill birds for fun, not to eat them. <laughs> oh, I've, I've seen my cat so eat enough birds. So we'll give you 0.5 just for trying, Rob. Okay, yeah. so Emma's one up. Rob, you're on 0.5. Okay, right. Now, here we go on to number two. So taking everything you learned from Katie, okay? Katie's going to be the judge of this now. Now, you can give any answer you want. I'm not expecting anyone to have done the research because obviously this is just a random question. So you have 15 seconds to pitch on why wood lice are important. Tell me anything you want. You can make it up on the spot. Just 15 seconds. Katie's going to judge. Why are wood lice important? I'll give you a bit of a background to it. The reason why I thought of this question, actually, is because I had a lot of wood lice in the house. And honestly, they're just really doing my nut in. And then I had to Google it and find out why they're important. So I don't want to see any typing, Rob. But 15 seconds. Who wants to go first or should we pick someone? Pitch it. Remind me what a wood lice is. Surely I get a point for that. (laughs) (laughs) They're like little roly polies. You know, the ones that you touch and they roll up into a ball, Emma? Yeah. Got armor oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's Weren't a good one, Rob. an earwig, or is that a completely different thing? Different. That's, that's a completely different thing. thing. Oh, yeah. I was going to go with earwig, actually, but I went oh, with woodlice because I, I thought you guys would know I'm lo- what it is. I'm, I'm losing this quiz, and Emma okay. doesn't know what a woodlice is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Rob, you want to go first? Your 15-second pitch to us. Why are woodlice important? Woodlice are an integral part of a garden's ecosystem. They are part of food chains for larger insects and birds, and they eat rotting natural things, and they can act as a pesticide in your garden. Okay, that's your 15 seconds done. Thank you very much, Rob. That was very informative, Um, but I like the way you dragged it out the beginning. Rob, were you reading off Wikipedia on that, by the way? You sounded like it. I was looking Carmel's eyes the whole time. (laughs) That's my seating screen. That's my my normal screen. I'm purposely focusing this way today. All right, Emma, you know, we gave you a bit more time there, you know, just about think about it. You know, anything you like. I mean, it doesn't even have to be factual, Em, but, you know, if it sounds good, we'll take it. Go. Wood lice, roll around looking pretty. In, the, in your wood, rotting wood, again, like Rob said, looking beautiful in their roly-polies. You can't reference me in your answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so from my research, is. Katie's going to correct me if I'm wrong, but basically they're important for their ability to feed off dead plants and creatures and kind of recycling really important nutrients. And they also are a good source of calcium for spiders, birds and frogs so on that note katie can you please give us a winner of that pitch so i appreciate the effort from both of you and you're right the main thing for woodlouse is they're recyclers which is fab i think realistically although i loved your definition emma the fact that they're little pretty rolly things i think rob was probably the closest but i would like to check rob's google search history to make sure he wasn't cheating but if not rob rob i think wins that one from me you did. You did admit it last time. Okay, so Rob, you're on 1.5. Emma, you're on one. You can win this, Emma. I've got faith. Not that I'm being biased or anything. Okay, so this is the final question, okay? Now, nothing to do with biodiversity on this one, sorry. But 
on August 27th this month, it would be Rock, Paper and Scissors Day. Now, while this is a podcast, I had to be a bit creative on this one. So when I say go, and we'll do a practice round, don't worry, you both need to shout out what position you're going to play. So let's have a practice, okay? So it's one, two, three, go. Rock. Scissors. Okay, Rob, you want... That was a Rock. practice. Yeah, no, no, it was a practice, but I'm just telling you, you need to be a bit quicker, Emma, so just quick, quicken up the oh, pace, okay? okay? Right, okay. okay, right, okay, right. For the real deal now, okay? Emma, you could win this. There's no pressure, or Rob, you just win by a landslide, okay? One, two, three, go. Paper. Oh. Yes! <laughs> Emma wins. No. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, gosh. I mean, to be honest, I can't remember who won last month. Um, Emma. That was Emma. Emma, wasn't it? Hey, so, Emma. <laughs> Two nil. Two nil. Two nil. Nice one, Emma. Olympic gold medalist. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So firstly, I just want to say thank you, Casey. You've been an absolute rock star today. Um, We really appreciate, you know, all of your knowledge that you imparted. And we will be, yeah, we will definitely follow up with everyone with all the links that you're sending us so they can learn more. But sad to say, it's that time again where we have to say goodbye. So if anyone has any questions, feedback, or you want to suggest any topics for the next episode, please send them to the GBB at se.com. And you can find us on se.com, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher and Spotify. And please don't forget to share, like and subscribe. And we'll catch you next month. The content of this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. The information, statements, views and opinions belong to our hosts and should not be construed as advice by Schneider Electric.